This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 81, recorded on October 23rd, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, uh, yeah, this is our first podcast since the Indians didn't exactly win in the playoffs, we'll call it. Um, we'll try to avoid talking about that, or I guess maybe mention it, um, <laughs> but we'll talk about that in the regular season. We'll discuss the recent news of Mickey Calloway going to the Mets. We'll preview the upcoming World Series, and we'll celebrate the fact that the New York baseball Yankees are not playing in that said World Series. And of course, we'll answer your questions. Before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody listening live now on Facebook or wherever or whenever you may be tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and consider leaving a review. Uh, anything like that helps. So, joining me for all this for the first time in quite a while is uh, Jason Lucart. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing better now than I was if we had tried to do this a week or two ago. Uh, I guess a week ago, two weeks ago, I guess things hadn't gone totally to crap yet. Um, yeah, I got to say, I not that I'm feeling great about how things went, but uh, I've recovered more quickly than I did a year ago for probably a variety of reasons. Um, when, the season, when the series ended... I felt like, well, no baseball for me. I can't stand any of it. Uh, it took me like a week. And then by like game four or five of the LCS, uh, I was back to watching everything. And uh, I'm bummed about it, but I've been worse. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think last year was definitely way worse. I'm still glad last year happened, but I was ready. Well, I didn't, I didn't watch much of the LCS and NLCS just because I wanted a break anyway, but... Like last year after the World Series, I did not want to even think about baseball for a long time afterwards. And this time I was like, all right, um, okay. <laughs> it's it's way better that the fact that the Indians, they're just another losing playoff team now. They're not the team that lost in the World Series to the Cubs that broke their curse. Because that's going to be, that's a forever kind of thing. We're going to be seeing yeah. highlights of that. We're going to be seeing Chris Bryant fielding that ground ball and throwing to first base. Oh, that like... stupid smile on his face. That's going to haunt me. And that picture of Michael Martinez walking off the field with everyone celebrating in the background. It wasn't great. Um, I mean, this year wasn't great either, but it, it, it sucked that it was against the Yankees, and I lost a bet because of that. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't It wasn't the worst thing in the world, losing in the LDS. It happens all the time. There's, there's what is it, 28 teams that don't make it to the World Series. The Indians just happen to be one of those, and it happens, I think. Yeah, which is not, again, not to take away from how frustrating and disappointing it was. I think, uh, for me, the closer you come when you fall short, the worse it is. So losing Game 7 of the World Series is worse than losing in the first round. That said, uh, if they were going to lose to the Yankees, going up two games to none and then losing the last three uh, would have been my last choice of ways to do it, I think. Uh, for one thing, that's two postseason series in a row that ended with three chances to win and not being able to do any of it, which is the same thing that happened at the 2007 ALCS. Um, I already felt this way, but I will certainly always feel like I'm never going to believe the Indians are going to win their postseason series until the Indians have actually won their postseason series. Oh, you definitely shouldn't now. I was I was really annoyed about the whole, um, like when the Indians were up 2 nothing and the whole... They haven't won a clinching playoff game in so long. It's like, all right, that doesn't matter. But but then it happened again, and they lost three in a row, and it was really not fun to watch at all. Um, it was it was just weird that this they just weren't good at all in the playoff. It didn't feel like the same team at all. That's one reason that it was kind of worse last year, because it was like watching the whole everything from the season just collapsing in the very end. But this team didn't look anything like the team that won all those games in the regular season. And 
I mean, even that one game, it would have been over. The series would have been over quicker if uh, Joe Girardi challenged and Francisco Lindor didn't hit the grand slam. So, I mean, this series oh, well, wasn't even that close. The flip side to that is if if that ball Lindor hits in New York in game three is like a foot higher and Judge doesn't catch it, the Indians might have swept and we wouldn't have even been paying attention to how not great they had looked. Uh, and that's the thing about postseason baseball. Like we've, we've talked multiple times about being a crapshoot. And uh, I mean, that's, I mean, really, you can point to in either direction one little play that could have made a huge difference. And, uh, you know, a lot of the questions or comments on Twitter and Facebook. You know, or about, you know, why are the Indians such chokers and stuff like that. And again, that, that ball's one foot higher. They probably sweep. And the conversation's totally different. Uh, I feel like, you know, it's not saying anything new, but it's just another reminder. And that says not to say the Yankees didn't deserve to win or anything like that. But uh, you take a 162-game season, and then you take the results of that and squish it through a five-game series. And... The the correlation between the two isn't necessarily that high. So do you feel like it was choking? Because I, I don't really ever like use. I don't think the Indians choked in the World Series last year. But this, it definitely felt like it. The fact that they were up, they were the better team coming in by like a long shot, it seemed like. And then they just collapsed. And then if you're talking about Indians plays that went the wrong way, Giovanni Urshela, just, I mean, a whole game where he was awful, which doesn't ever ha- It's like the first time I've ever seen him be that bad on defense in a single game and that that was another one they could have won the series, I think, and they lost that. So, I mean, do you consider that a choke? No, I don't. I, I mean, I just, I mean, I don't know where you draw the line between what's choking and what's just having a couple of bad games at the wrong time. Like, I understand in terms of the narrative, if you have a couple of bad games at that particular time, that's what gets described as choking. Um, but again, they were literally like a foot away from sweeping the series. And yeah, they, I mean, they didn't, they had two more chances to win and they didn't. Um, I don't know. I know a lot of people, including a lot of Indians fans, I respect a lot uh, and whose take on things I generally respect a lot have talked about it being a huge choke job. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not wired to view things that way. Uh, Corey Kluber picked a terrible time to have two bad starts in a row for the first time all season. And Jose Ramirez picked a terrible time to have a bad week for, pretty much the first time all season. Uh, and, you know, it goes pretty quickly. You lose three games, and, and that's that. Yeah, and we'll get to Mickey Calloway in a second here, but uh, you mentioned Corey Kluber. Are, are we worried about him being injured at all? Because those were really uncharacteristically not good games. And then he, afterwards he said that, what was the exact quote? Like, I'm I pitched, or I'm well enough to pitch, and that's all that matters or something like that. But it wasn't like, and I'm 100% healthy kind of thing. I mean, are you worried at all that he was like some kind of injured that obviously doesn't require surgery because he's not getting surgery right now, but something that just came at an awful time considering how good he was all season long? I'm not really any more worried than I always am about pitching. Uh, I mean, I feel like pitchers are healthy until they're not. Uh, I, you know, I don't think he was at 100%. Um you know, but it's not like he pitched poorly in September. I mean, it, it just, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not especially worried, but that's compared to my relative state, which is to always be worried. But <laughs> if you told me that, you know, nine months from now, Corey Kluber is going to be in the DL, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Uh, but it's, it, that's not because of how he looked in those two games. It's just, that's my, my status quo for, for pitching. 
so with the Indian season over, of course, it means people are going to start leaving. Um, for Eventually players will when they get to that. But but right now it was Mickey Callaway. We kind of thought this was coming for a while just because he's one always wanted to be a head coach. I think I'm going to include myself and many that were probably hoping that he would wait until Francona retires, whenever that is, and would take over the Indians. But he's on the Mets now. It was announced yesterday. He had a press, co- a press conference today. Um, he said in that press conference, I'd like to thank my pitchers in Cleveland. When I was breaking the news to them about this, I was teary-eyed. I cared so much about them and who they are as people, and it was a very difficult decision. And that was probably the hardest part of this whole decision. Um, I mean, other than the obvious just things that come out in like a, a press release thing, thinking your old team, looking forward to doing all the hard work on the new team, whatever. But there seems to be a ton of respect between Indians and Callaway. And um, Jordan Bastian asked Josh Tomlin about him. I guess it was probably after the conference somewhere else, but they asked if it was like two to three minutes of stuff and he gave him like 45 minutes worth of a conversation about Callaway. So everyone on the Indians loved him. Callaway seemed to love the Indians. I mean, the whole staff like grew up through him or under him. So it's kind of amazing how much influence he's had. It's going to be hard to replace, but uh, what do you think about Mickey Callaway, head coach of the Mets, the poor guy? <laughs> One, I like to point out that I think it's funny that you keep calling him head coach because in baseball, <laughs> we call those managers. <laughs> Whatever. Same thing. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, uh, what you said, like, it's, it sucks to see him go because I really do think he's had a, a, a big impact on the pitching staff. Um, but I also certainly wouldn't begrudge him taking a, a job that, you know, amounts to a promotion, even if it is the Mets. Um, <laughs> does it really amount to a promotion? <laughs> I, I also think, you know, one, pitchers don't generally become managers. Uh, I couldn't find a complete list, but I found an article that was written in 2013. And at that point in Major League history, only 48 pitchers had gone on to become a manager. Uh, and I'm sure Callaway's not the first one to be added since then, but it's, you know, 50, 52 or so pitchers in history who have become managers. Uh, John Farrell, who just got fired by the Red Sox, and Bud Black, who manages the Rockies, were the only former pitchers managing last year. Um, so, you know, Callaway's another one to that list, but if Farrell doesn't find another job, it'll only be two again. Uh, so one, I think about why would that be, and I feel like it's because pitchers feel sort of separate from the game. Uh, you know, if you're in the bullpen, then you're not even, you're not in the dugout during the games, and if you're a starting pitcher, uh, you know, you're you're sort of a, a cheerleader or whatever for four days. And then for one day, it's, you know, you've got your whole routine and uh, you're not going to be a part of what's going on the same way, you know, the, the catcher, the shortstop, stuff like that is. Um, so I'll be interested to see how he does. The other thing is I feel like, you know, and the, I've heard a lot of people like, oh, the Mets are a perfect fit because they have great pitchers. But it's like, well, if they have great pitchers, maybe they don't need Callaway's influence. It seems like their problem has been, keeping their pitchers healthy. So maybe they need to hire a good medical staff. Um, but he seems like a really smart guy. Uh, he's done great work with the players he's been responsible for working with. Um, I think being in a dugout for Francona for, for five years, uh, you know, has to have given him some good, you know, ideas for way to do things. Uh, so I, I wish him well. I'm glad he's in the, Amer- in the National League's because I, I wouldn't want to root against them. Uh, that said, I, I saw you on Twitter saying you feel a little sick that part of you is going to feel like you need to root for the Mets. I won't feel like I need to root for the Mets. I'm just glad I don't have to root against them. <laughs> a tiny little bit. I just want to see Mickey Calloway succeed a tiny bit. But one thing I like that you said there was I never knew about so few pitchers that are 
man, I almost said head coach again, um, <laughs> managers. But that is a really good point because if you're, I mean, if you're a position player, you probably have to know most of the game, like everything except pitching. You have to know at least a little bit of. If you're a pitcher, you just have to know how to pitch. And if you're managing, you just have your pitching coach deal with the pitchers. So, so yeah, he's gonna have to learn a lot more probably. I think than than what he obviously what he's used to doing as a pitching coach, but. I would think if being under Terry Francona just in that dugout so often it had to help out um, compared to probably some other situations. And another is Kevin Cash still not managing? Did you mention him? Uh, he is. He is. So is he, he's not a pitcher though, was he? He was just a bullpen coach. Yeah, he's a catcher, so he worked. Oh with yeah, pitchers, sorry. okay. As a former catcher. Yeah, I was just thinking because he's another the most common position to become managers. There have been more former catchers in any position. Yeah, which that makes sense, of course, because they're managing the game all the time anyway, but. But yeah, um, it's going to be hard to replace him. Uh, Charlie Connor on Facebook, he wanted to know, is it better to promote a pitching coach from within or would it be better to go outside the organization and get somebody? Um, will either option help our pitchers to get the next level of development? Will it hinder their progression? I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I don't know like a definitive answer to, to any of those. <laughs> I mean, a personal preference if nobody's fired, I would think you'd want to go with, as long as it's not another need another voice in the room kind of thing, I'd rather get somebody who's in the organization who already worked with all these pitchers, knows how Callaway works. There's not a huge change, but there might also be some options outside. But what do you think? Is it better to go just grab somebody from elsewhere or just promote within for – you specifically asking you, pitching coach. Like, given that the major league pitching coach, at least this is my understanding, you know, tends to have input on the minor league development side of you know pitchers too. Um, and you know some of the pitchers who we've been so happy with you know, were in the minors five years ago. So I, I, I do feel like if there's someone who feels like a pretty close match in terms of a lot of their like attitudes and you know, sort of the bedside manner stuff too, uh, that promoting from within makes sense. Um, but mostly it's just, I don't know how to really assess any of, you know, the in-house or out-of-house options. Um, Dave Rigetti, who's been the Giants pitching coach, and I feel like he's probably done some pretty good work with a lot of their pitchers, but he's out. Um, I think he took some sort of other front office job with the Giants, uh, but that doesn't mean if another team wanted him as pitching coach that he wouldn't come over. Uh, Chris Basio, who was the Cubs pitching coach, he got fired, and Jake Arrieta in particular has talked about as someone who he supposedly had a big impact on. Um, but I'd be lying if I really said I knew what I thought either of them would do well or not do well. I'd be lying if I said I really understood what Mickey Calloway has done well. I mean, I, I, I don't think you can argue with the results. Um, it's just not an area I feel like I know well enough to speak that knowledgeably. In terms of, like, the current pitchers, um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's not going to hinder Corey Kluber's development because Corey Kluber is one of the four best pitchers in baseball. Um, I feel like at this point, other than Clevenger – uh, you know, the guys in the rotation right now don't have a whole lot of development left, which isn't to say you can't, you know, make adjustments, learn new pitches, new techniques and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like even if you feel like Callaway, you know, is like a, a horse whisperer in this case, that they spent enough time with them to pick up enough. They've got each other to talk to at this point, too. I mean, a lot of the stuff with Bauer's strong second half was stuff that, you know, Kluber, had, you know, apparently kind of talked to him about or he had picked up from Kluber so I don't worry too much about that side of things um but and you know at the same time if 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 someone's off for a couple weeks you know Callaway might have been really good at spotting what they could do to to get back on track and maybe they will miss that yeah it's kind of their and not 
not a terrible spot to lose a coach really a pitching coach right now because like you said there's no real young pitchers developing right now besides i guess like mike clevenger maybe some bullpen arms because they're still i mean there's ryan Merritt and adam plutko and all them but um it's not like they were soaring above their class or anything at the where they are now but there were still a couple years away from like tristan mckenzie and brady aiken if he ever gets it together so the top pitching prospects coming up there's going to be a little while for whoever they do bring in to get settled in and have his own system of doing things and whatever the pitching coach does it probably trickles down through the organization too so i would hope by the time the, like the pitchers that really matter get up we're going to have somebody in place who's going to be maybe another mickey calloway i don't know but as far as replacing him uh jordan bastion wrote about this today the one um that most people seem to gravitate to is uh john farrell who used to coach the red sox who obviously has a he's a really good friend with tito so that one makes sense just on paper but bastion never really lists a reason he just says that the indians are likely to go in another direction i think it's just because that's farrell probably doesn't want to be a pitching coach and maybe he'll take a year off maybe something else but for whatever reason the indians are probably not going to get john farrell um like internal options that they do go do go that way or like jason beer who's the bullpen coach or scott atchison who does i i still don't know what he does <laughs> Some of these like in-depth coaching positions, you're like assistant advanced scouting, scouting assistant director. I don't know what exactly Scott Atchison does. I guess he like scouts pitchers in advance of games or something, but either way, he's there. Um, I don't think they're going to go to him for pitching coach. So if they do go internally, it's like Jason Beer and maybe somebody from the minors, but I don't know. Like you, I don't know how to evaluate who's doing good or who's not. I know very few pitching coaches' names. If I was an Indians fan, I probably wouldn't know Mickey Calloway. I think I know the White Sox is like Don Cooper. That's the only one because Merritt wrote about him. That's that's like all I know <laughs> as far as pitching coaches. Um, so it'll be interesting. That's We already got an interesting story at the beginning of the offseason, which is nice. But, but yeah, before we get into the offseason, I mean, I guess it's worth looking back at. We looked at the, the LDS, but the regular season, it, it happened. I'm not sure if you're aware, Jason, but um, lots of injuries to the Indians, especially late. Um, Jose Ramirez was great. Lindor was great. The pitching staff obviously was was amazing. So, so what kind of things stood out to you for the 2017 regular season Indians before it all just quickly collapsed in October? I, I'm going to try desperately to hold on to how much fun the winning streak was. Yep. You know, I said at the time it was enjoyable in a way that the postseason can't be um, because it, there was a sort of a carefree aspect to it that just can't exist in the postseason. Um so in a way, I enjoyed the winning streak more than I enjoyed getting to the World Series last year. Uh, and so I feel like for me, you know, when I look back, uh, you know, a couple of years from now or 10 years from now, I feel like the winning streak uh, will stand out. Uh, Corey Kluber's incredible performance, especially after he came back from the injury. And we'll see if he wins the second Cy Young or not, but maybe winning a second Cy Young when Halfway through the season, Chris Sale seemed like a lock for it. Uh, Ramirez and Lindor both having fantastic seasons. Carlos Santana being fantastic for the after the All-Star break. Uh, Encarnacion putting up big numbers in his first season with the team. Um, there's a ton. And I feel like it's a shame that I know even for me, the postseason is going to make all of that harder to remember. Um, but, I mean, it was as enjoyable a regular season as you can have in a lot of ways. You know, if if, if major if the American League was like a, a European football league and there was no postseason, then the story would be how the Indians won 22 games in a row to come back from, you know, like 14 games behind Houston and win the American League. Uh, 
but in the United States, we love playoffs. I love playoffs uh, some of the time anyway. So that all sort of gets forgotten. Uh, in England, these Indians would be talked about for decades. I guess we have that to cling to. <laughs> these Indians would be talked about for decades if, if that mattered. Um, I mean, what's if you could boil it down to like one favorite moment, and like last year, or I guess two years ago technically now, is the Tyler Naquin inside the park home run. Do you have one? I know the streak, but is there one particular thing that happened that sticks out to you as the one you might remember from this season or not really? You know, off the top of my head, there's not. And I guess that means there's not because this is the kind of question that either like a moment should come to mind immediately. Like in 2013, the Giambi home run. Uh, I don't know. How about you? So mine, I don't think it, it doesn't come to mind immediately because it's not, it wasn't a very time that mattered but Lindor's grand slam in the first series against the Rangers that was like my first big like baseball is back the Indians won the Indians were in the World Series and now they're back playing baseball again and baseball is super exciting that was the first um time we saw angry Lindor after he he screwed up on defense and he came back and he just belted a home run that was before we knew we had this big power surge too so seeing Lindor hit home run like that was a big deal at the time and the whole everything surrounding that thing was great there was it cut to the one Tigers or the Rangers fan crying in the stands after the home run. Uh, somebody said it's a Titanic theme song, which was really funny. Um, but yeah, that that one moment—it's not quite Tyler Naquin rounding the bases, doing the hook'em horns thing, but it was still really fun. Um, Lindor's grand slam in the playoffs also was another one, but that was a regular season. But, but yeah, if I can come close to boiling it on the one, it was definitely that. That's a good moment. Yeah, and and getting back to the pitching staff too. I mean, did you know? Um, I can't remember who tweeted eventually, but I asked and somebody sent it to me today. Who was it? I want to give him credit. Uh, Danny Madden on Twitter. He reminded me of who it was. Um, the Indians, their pitching staff this year, the higher war, highest war ever in a single season, 31.7. Um, do you want to take a random shot in the dark and guess who number two was the number two best staff ever? Uh, are we talking starting rotations or no, entire, entire pitching staff, staff? Yep. or Entire pitching staff. Uh, I would think the 90-something 90, 90 Braves. <laughs> yeah, the 96 Braves. You could just pick any 90s Braves team, really. And I looked at the – so the top 10 spots on that list just listed by um, individual season by war for a pitching staff. The Braves have four of those <laughs> in the 90s. Um, and second was the 96 Braves. But, but yeah, the, the I don't think that goes quite – noticed as much as just how good this pitching staff was just because they they had the streak they struggled at times and it all kind of kind of gets pushed aside that this this rotation was or not even the rotation the entire staff was i mean you can't just look at war and say that means they were the best ever but they have to be up there i mean carlos carlos carrasco he quietly had another great season and he even made his playoff debut and he was great so i mean the pitching staff we talked about the pitching staff so much last year because of how how big of an impact they had in the playoffs but it kind of sucks that this year in the regular season, they're probably better than they were last year, but it's not going to be talked about pretty much at all. But this staff was amazing this year, which again goes back to Mickey Calloway. A big, a big part of that is him, and I won't be there, so I guess we'll see what happened next year. But I think, like you said earlier, just they're all so good. There's no nobody developing. Everybody's here and set, and Cooper and Krasko are going to be here for a little while. And just the staff this year was really amazing. Yeah, well, and like you said, I mean, the, the starters are all – under contract for at least another couple of years. Um, so they say healthy, uh, you know, looking ahead, which we'll mostly do in a week or two, but looking ahead, I mean, there's no reason the Indians shouldn't be pretty heavy favorites in the division next year. And 
probably favorites in the division in 2019. Uh, I think looking any farther than that is a little foolish just because injuries, player development, there's there's too many sort of variables. But the next couple of years, they should still be the best team in the division. And what what happens in the postseason, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm sure we'll talk about future stuff um, coming up, like especially um, Brantley and Santana. But getting even further away from that is thinking about like further seasons down the road. I'm going to keep to my twins prediction that they're going to be really annoying for the next few years. I still don't know if they're going to win the division, but they're going to be a very annoying team, I think, for a while, um, which will be interesting. And Bill Statler on Facebook, he wanted to know, are you worried about a hangover, oh, hangover effect next year? Uh, no. <laughs> I think the only really hangover effect is when you play so long into October, like the Indians did last season, where there might be one. But I don't think you really get a hangover effect from getting, not swept, but losing in the ALDS. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I totally agree. If there's going to be a hangover effect last year, is much more is much more likely to cause it than this year. I guess you could argue the Indians were much better in the second half than in the first half. So maybe there was a hangover effect this season. Uh, I don't know that that's really what I'm arguing. But like this season, if there is one next season, I don't think it will be so significant that the Indians can't still win the division pretty comfortably. And looking ahead now, the, the last little bit of baseball we got, whether you're too upset about the, the Indians to watch baseball or anything, but you owe it to yourself to at least watch the World Series. It's baseball. Um, it's not the baseball we probably wanted, but it is Astros-Dodgers. As, as far as not having any team in the race, it's not the Yankees. It's two really good teams, and it's two teams with really fun players. So I don't think we can get much better. Obviously, the Indians being able to be the best, but with the Indians being out, I don't think you get much better than the Astros and Dodgers right now. Um, we have one more chance to watch Justin, Ber Justin Verlander get blown up, which is what I'm rooting for. Still don't like that guy. Um, what Yasiel Puig's really fun. Carlos Correa is really fun. Jose Altuve. So I'm really looking forward to this world series. I didn't watch any of the ALCS or NLCS just because I wanted a break from baseball, but I'm happy to have one more series to watch before we enter the darkness of the off season. So what are you looking forward to in the, the world series here coming up? Yeah. I mean, if you had told me there's just the, the Indians won't be in the world series, it's not going to happen. Sorry, but you can pick which other postseason teams will be there. Uh, Astros Dodgers is what I would have picked. Um, they're both really, really good teams. Uh, the Indians were also a really, really good team. I feel like this year baseball was a lot more. Uh, I don't know why I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but uh, all or nothing. I mean, the American League did not have very many good teams, uh, but the teams that were good were very good. Oh, yeah, uh, that's what you're saying. Not quite to the same extent. Um, but the Dodgers and Astros are both, like, legitimately great teams. Uh, you, like you said, both teams have a lot of great players. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher of his generation. Um, you know, Puig is super divisive, but we both love him. Uh, Altuve is a – I don't know how anyone could not enjoy Jose Altuve. Uh, so many guys. So I feel like – if you were just trying to introduce someone to baseball uh, and you had one series to do it, this would be a pretty optimal matchup. Uh, and then for me, it's the, the beauty of I don't hate either team, so I will have no <laughs> stress about watching it. Yeah. Uh, mildly, I'd like the Dodgers to win. I used to live in L.A. for a little while. Uh, I love Dodger Stadium. Uh, I love Clayton Kershaw because I love great pitchers. Um, but I'm not going to be super bummed out if the Astros beat them. So really, I'm just hoping for a seven-game series. Uh 
that's maybe like last year's World Series, only I won't care who wins or loses, so the ending won't potentially haunt me forever. Yeah, you could kind of answer the question of at Farrell Carson's on Twitter. He wanted to know who you're rooting for in the Fall Classic and why. That's, that's yours is the Dodgers, and I guess mine is just the Astros, just because I like Correa and Altuve and um, Dallas Keigel. Having Justin Verlander takes a lot of points off my favoritism, so it's still really close. Like you, I really don't care, but <laughs> now we need to fake fight next week over who wins, so I guess <laughs> just pretend well, to care. I'm hoping by next week we won't know. The series will have ended too quickly if a week from now we already know who won it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. We'll argue about who we want to win when it's still close and hopefully still going. Yeah, hopefully like 2-2 or 3-2 yeah. over the thing. But you also... Uh, yeah, I feel like, and like you said, it's it's not the baseball we wanted. Um, I love baseball too much to not watch the World Series. Uh, if it had been Yankees-Cubs, <laughs> that would have really tested my I have to watch the World Series. <laughs> that's another uh, thing I was going to mention. We were dangerously close to like the worst World Series ever. Yeah, I mean, that would have been, yeah, like, other than the Indians, Astros-Dodgers was my first pick. Uh, Yankees-Cubs definitely would have been my last pick. Um, so as soon as the Dodgers beat the Cubs, it was like, all right, there'll be at least one team I can stand to root for. Uh, and now it's both. I can just enjoy it. So I, Verlander does take a lot of points up Houston. Uh, them beating the Yankees uh, gives them at least a few points back. What would have been, I mean, the Yankees winning for me is always unbearable. Uh, but given that they weren't supposed to be back yet, and this was supposed to be sort of still the rebuild, uh, if they had beat the Indians and then the Astros and then the Dodgers, they would have become the only team ever to beat three 100-win season uh, win teams in the same postseason. Uh, it would have been completely unbearable to, to, to read or listen to anything baseball-related. Uh, for months and months, so I'm incredibly relieved and thank the Astros for doing what the Indians couldn't. And at least, if it's not the Indians, it won't be the Yankees. And this is the second year in a row that baseball has a pretty good World Series. I mean, last year the Cubs weren't quite as intolerable before the World Series. So Indians Cubs is like the one that everybody wanted, and this year everybody wanted Astros and Dodgers. So for baseball, this has got to be really good. It's two two in a row of really good matchups. I think that are exciting and what everybody wants and doesn't have the Yankees, which is the big, the yeah. big. And I, yeah, I know that like in terms of money, I know the Dodgers are the same as the Yankees at this point and have actually spent a little more than them the last few years. Um, but I feel like if, if you feel like that makes them the Yankees, you're sort of missing uh, some pretty important parts of what make the Yankees, the Yankees. Uh, so if the Dodgers win this year, then maybe they become like the Cubs and pretty immediately become a team that annoys me. Um, but it's been 29 years since they've won. Uh, historically, they're like the big... Un I mean, I know the Cubs became the lovable losers, but the Brooklyn Dodgers were like the big underdog team. Uh, I admire their history, the Jackie Robinson part of their history. Um, and again, I, Dodgers fans get a lot of grief because a lot of them are late to the games. Um, but if anyone's ever lived in L.A. and gone to a Dodgers game, they can understand why so many fans are late to the games. Uh, and I think once you're in the stadium and once others are in the stadium, uh, it's probably my favorite atmosphere for in terms of a place to watch a game. Um, some of them might be a little late, but Dodgers fans, I feel like, are who are at the game are more passionate than I think most other teams are. And uh, so I'll be happy for them if after 29 years, that's a pretty significant wait. But same time, Astros fans have never watched a team win the World Series, so I'll be happy for them too. It's just not the Yankees, so whew. Yeah, I think 
everybody's so quick to jump on the the Dodgers are the like the other Yankees that they kind of forget they haven't been in the World Series forever and they weren't always. Yeah, they went through a lot of years of being really bad for a while there. Yeah, um, yeah. So the last question I want to close on, I should have probably asked that we were doing the the postseason stuff, but I think it should be quick. So at drcmg1, he wants to know: Did the ALDS open the book for all to see on pitching to Jose, or just a bad stretch of futility? I think it's the latter. It was just a bad stretch for Jose. I don't think the Yankees unlocked any secret hidden way to defeat Jose Ramirez. He just happened to miss more than he ever has, and it didn't go well. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think Jose's offensive numbers in the future will be as good as they were in 2017. Uh, I think he'll continue to be a, a great player. Um, but if his numbers fall off 10% next year, that's not because the ALDS showed some glaring weakness in him. Yeah. This is probably, this is usually where we'll, we talk about like upcoming games, but that's not going to happen. So <laughs> just mention the next week and everybody was asking about, um, like Michael Brantley, Carlos Santana, that kind of stuff. Um, this was our first episode in a while. We just kind of wanted to look back at this season and the loss and all that stuff. So next week is when we're going to start looking forward. And one of these days, we still got to look back at our predictions from the beginning of the year. Because um, that Twins one, I'm riding that all the way. <laughs> I still got that one. <laughs> when you realize how wrong you were about pretty much everything else. <laughs> I, I don't that, remember any of it. That, that's what I'm going to say right now. I, <laughs> I remember this. I remember of the five of us, I was the only one who didn't pick the Indians to win the American League. So right about that. <laughs> Instead, I picked the Astros. So right about that. Uh, I was the only one of us who didn't have Francisco Lindor in the top five for the MVP voting. We'll see. But I think I'll be right about that. Um, well, you just hate the Indians, Jason. That's all we've established. So, We'll have to find the things. I know I was also wrong because I had them only winning 94, 95 games, and I know I was low. You're such so a I wasn't hater. Wrong about that because <laughs> I only thought they would win the division by 12 games. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I did reasonably well with those predictions. The thing I remember so most I, about. I'm happy to bring on us revisiting those predictions in a week or two. <laughs> the one I, the part I remember the most is that for some reason I screwed up the audio on that one. So it sounds like I am super loud and the rest of you are in the background yelling. And there was like nothing I could do to fix it because it's all one track. That's the thing I remember most about our prediction episode. Because it was like the biggest one. We had like five people and I screwed up the audio. But I'll what listen I to it. Is, is one of the other guys, I don't remember who, but one of the other guys calling Abraham Belmonte great. That's <laughs> that would be Merritt. That's always Merritt. <laughs> he is our resident A. Belmonte lover and it's great. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Um, we talk about Michael Brantley, Carlos Santana, all kinds of fun stuff. So, see you then.